actors, this is your final places call. Places. Half to half. Go. Orchestra, stand by. Go. Hey guys, this is Gabrielle Ruiz. Rick Negron. Anne Harada. Karen Mason. Constantine Morales. JLA Marcos. And you're listening to Bite Size. Bite Size. Bite Size Broadway. Brought to you by Indie Works Theatre Company. Bite Size Broadway. A musical snack that keeps you coming back for Bite Size Broadway. Get your day started right with an opening night. Now on. Hi there, my name is Jonathan Lynch and you're listening to Bite-Sized Broadway, a mini-musical podcast brought to you by IndieWorks Theatre Company. This is your source for discovering original short-form musicals that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Today's mini-musical episode is The Last Magic Negro or Chad's Great Awakening. Book by Jameel Ellis and Andrew Fox, music and lyrics by Andrew Fox. And don't forget to stay tuned after the show for a talkback with Jameel and Andrew. Please note that this show contains some language that might not be suitable for our younger audience members. Speaking of language... Now you may have heard that title and are asking yourselves, can they say that? If so, you're in the right place for this episode. You may not know it, but a magical Negro is something that you're most likely already familiar with. Have you been watching a film or reading a book and noticed a black supporting character who exists solely to provide special insight or magic powers for the aid of the white protagonist in a story? Perhaps a famous example of this is Uncle Remus in Song of the South, but this trope continues today. John Legend in La La Land, Crystal Fox in Big Little Lies, Morgan Freeman in... basically everything. These are all examples of the magical Negro trope. Now, in this episode, we're... G- what? Hang on, hang on. I hear something something outside. Um, uh, yeah, hang on a second. I need to turn on the news. Let's see what's going on out there. June 7th, 2020. Racial tensions in America have boiled over early this season. A country already on edge from a global pandemic disproportionately affecting communities of color reached a boiling point after a series of high-profile racially charged incidents. In Brunswick, Georgia, Ahmaud Arbery, a black jogger, gunned down by white men in broad daylight. In New York City's Central Park, Amy Cooper, a white woman, threatens Christian Cooper, a black man, with a falsified call to 911. Finally, the breaking point. The release of video footage from Minneapolis showing George Floyd, an unarmed black man, murdered by a police officer who kneeled on his neck for almost nine minutes. As we speak, Black Lives Matter protests are occurring in every state in America. Real Americans know that the only conflict that is black and white is the choice between order this and chaos. This is another instance of police being used as the a state-sanctioned enforcer of white supremacy. And to my fellow white anti-racists, now is the time to create a platform for black voices, which you can do by reading my book. We want it's not police about you. and prison Learning reform and, and dismantling systematic racism wherever it is. Broadway needs to Criminal do its part to end racism by having more gender non-conforming persons of color with disabilities as Peggy Sorry. We need a larger voice in the Honey, can you please turn down your podcast? You know I have this all-hands meeting for work. All about race, a company discussion. Oh, this is going to be painful. <clears throat> Who still has their microphones on? Can you please mute your TVs? Anybody? Anybody? Again, I can't take this. I said, turn it down. Sorry. <clears throat> Thank you all for coming to this Zoom meeting. I'm going to pass this over to Chad now. Chad, 
Thank you, Monique. Uh, uh, hello, everyone. The Sullivan Products leadership team is committed to diversity and inclusion. Uh, we want all the different shades of the Sullivan family to feel safe and respected within the walls of our organization. To that end, uh, effective immediately, we will be giving our employees all the black holidays off, uh, including Juneteenth, Umoja Karamu, mm-hmm, and uh, the, the BET Awards. Okay, uh, we're also committed to removing problematic symbols and language from all our consumer products and workspaces, beginning with the removal of Confederate flags from all our manufacturing plants. And in a uh, revolutionary move, we've pulled our whitening toothpaste from all urban markets, and we'll be rebranding with a Black Lives Matter appropriate theme at at a later date. Um, we welcome your feedback and comments. In the meantime, Michael, uh, an assistant manager in our um, marketing department, he'll be on hand to answer any questions you have on on race in the workplace. <clears throat> Michael? Uh, hi, everyone. Um, HR just told me about this this morning. I, I guess I'm the highest-ranking black person, so <laughs> I, I don't have anything planned. I guess I'd like to hear from... Excuse me, Michael. Could I have the floor for a moment? Uh, As we all know, we are at an historic crossroads here. For too long, our black colleagues have been sidelined, ignored, demeaned... Excuse me, but if we're lowering standards for our diversity quotas again, can we ask, what about the white applicants? Many of us have been slaving away. Uh, no one said anything about lowering the standards, and maybe don't use the word slave. The Irish were slaves, too. Is there someone from HR Michael, here to help? Because Michael, hi, Michael. Hey. Can you please list the slurs that we're no longer allowed to say? Oh, no. No, I, I really well, can't do that. Then how are we supposed to know which ones aren't allowed? Really, anybody from HR? Maybe an HR intern? Hello, everybody. I'm Jessica from Corporate Communications, and I just want to say I have seen many of your Facebook pages. I am livid when I asked you all to repost about Black Lives Matter. How many of you actually did it? Click the share button. It is time for all white people to be allies now. Jessica, you wore blackface at last year's company Halloween party. (gasps) How dare you tell a woman what to wear in the workplace? (sighs) Wow. (sighs) Oh, oh, I, I see Monique's hand is raised. Monique. Hi, Michael. Uh, My question is actually for Chad. Thank you so much for initiating this illuminating forum. I think this is all a step in the right direction. But what are you going to do? The packaging has changed. The world has stayed the same. So what are you going to do? Maybe we can offer more paid internships. Not just for white kids, but for... Poor kids, too. All of the things you say sound nice, okay. Would have been nice to hear them yesterday. But what are you going to do? Oh, we should take part in special I Can't Breathe team building exercises. It's not like this is new. All of our lives, it's been this way. And all of the time you knew, you knew. Now what are you going to do? Thank you, 
Monique. To answer your question, we are currently considering the creation of a committee to assess options for the formation of a diversity and inclusivity task force pending board approval. Yeah, but what are you going to fix? The platitudes they pour. We've all been here before. So what are you going to fix? review that and all suggestions in conjunction with our new yet to be filled corporate diversity when is this gonna end how will you make amends is justice just a trend when is this going to end in social media i i I think of our support of the concept of this diversity committee and and this open job position you've been willingly blind to all that is wrong all around you but now all of you to improve Say you've opened your eyes And now the imbalance astounds you But all of the time you knew You all knew Every one of you knew Now what are you going to do? Oh God, what am I going to do? Now what are you going to do? Dear, I'm, I, I am, I am deeply uncomfortable. My, mom, mom, Dad, 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 somebody help me! Somebody help me! Are you stuck in a jam? Yes. Need a guiding hand? <laughs> yes. Well, then the wait is finally over. My name is Jimmy, and we've got the solution to all life's problems. Melanin challenge, dude. Let me improve your mood. If you're in a jam, then here I am. I'm a magic Negro. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I'm comfortable with Relax. This is the one in word that you can say. But enough about all those silly rules. Let's get your needs taken care of. (laughs) Any advice you need, I give it guarantee. When you got me, I'm a magic Negro Just like Morgan Freeman, I'll help you relax Life will be, I will answer any question that you ask Like Ben Vereen with Pippin I will intervene when you're flipping out So let there be no doubt I'm and sublime can read every time right on cue I'll help you through you finish first when I'm on your crew all my wisdom is here for you cause if you grow we grow I'm your magic negro oh (laughs) wow Wow. <laughs> Magical Negro Jimmy Bagger here at your service. Now, Chad, you look stressed out. What is it that you need? Oh, Jimmy, I am stressed. Race is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a really big topic now, especially at work. I, I don't know what the right thing to do or say is. I I mean, I also want to help with, you know, racism and, and like, ending it, I, I guess. But... I have no idea where to start. I hear what you're saying. I got you covered. 
Now, boss, I know you scared. Got a whole lot of problems around you, and you ain't got no idea how you's finna do. But the answers ain't gonna be in your mind. <laughs> no, sir. It's gonna be in your ears. When a man walks alone And he's caught out in the rain He's grown weary in his soul And he's tired of the pain If you want to ease his troubles It's not your turn to explain Only listen, child When a man Hear the words he says when he's singing the blues. If you want to know his struggles, you can't read them on the news. No, you gotta call up a brother and listen. Oh, listen to the words he says and the passion in his heart. Understand. Future's looking bright So just reach out to your brothers now Let him guide you through the night And then all you gotta do is listen Ask a black friend And when he answers Just listen Beautifully, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks, boss. But so this listening thing, I don't know if I really have any black friends. Like, should I? Well, time's up. Gotta well, go. But what should You'll I? Figure it out. I believe in you. Later, Gator. Oh, okay. That. Uh, ask a black friend. I know who to call. Chad, you've got this. Hello. Hi, uh, Monique. This is Chad from work. Hello? Hello? Uh, how did you get my number? I think my phone contact synced up with company employee profiles. Uh, anyway, uh, I was just... Uh, I'm with my kids right now. I will see you at work. Well, hold on. I, I just wanted... Hello? Hello? Okay. Hmm. Hello, Wesley. Yeah, this is Chad Sullivan. We went to high school at Turtle Bay. We were on the track team together. Uh... Yes? Well, uh, this is a moment in time, in, in, in our history, when I think reflection is important. It's time for change. And I believe, I know that it's long overdue that white people actually listen. Anyway, even though we've been friends for years, I, I don't think we ever really talked about what it's like, your, your experiences being black in America. What? African-American? Or is it a person of color? Is it a BIPOC? I don't know that I would call us friends. Teammates? Listen, I don't know what you're going through, Chad, but this is not a great time. Even if it was, 
I don't want to have this conversation with you. Not even a short conversation? Hello, thank you for calling Bank of America Customer Service. This is Molly speaking. Hi, Molly. My name is Chad. Hello, Chad. Thank you for calling, and how may I be of service to you? I was wondering if I could ask you some questions about your experiences as a black woman in America. What makes you think I'm black, sir? Well, you're... My... You talk black? Oh, hell no. (sighs) Chad here. It's Miriam from HR. Yes? We've received a complaint that you're using the company directory to contact black employees. Can you hold for just a minute? Jimmy! Help! Jimmy John Coffee at your service. Thank God you're here. Jimmy, it didn't work. I was so ready to listen, but but nobody wanted to open up. I, I feel like I didn't learn anything. Brother, I've seen this before. I have just the thing for you. Man, it ain't just your ears that are gonna fix this nasty world. Baby, you gotta stop using the holes in the sides of your head and start using the hole in front of your face. Uh, do you mean my mouth? Yeah, baby! When you see injustice with your eyes, you know you better speak up. Of the world open wide, you know you better keep up. To bust up that injustice, discuss this when in public, you gotta say what the fuss is, then nobody can touch this. Use your voice! But Jimmy, how do I know which battles to fight? Where should I put my focus? If you have even the smartest concern, you know you better raise it. Person says a single word, you know you better praise it. Good advice, Jimmy. You got it. Yeah. Train your perception to spot the impression, obsess over every microaggression. 24-7, you gotta be with it, be at every protest, become a progressive. Use your voice. Use your voice. You see injustice in your eye, we know it better. Speak up. Bust up that injustice when you say something. Speak up. Mama and your daddy taught you way back when how to. Speak up. Hey, great. I can do this. <laughs> That's the spirit, Chad, baby. Duty calls. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah, baby. Hey, catch you on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. Catch you on the flip side. Okay. <laughs> Focus, Chad. I have to spread the word. I have to demand action. Friends and followers, I have remained silent in my privilege for too long. Now is the time for action! A hero's life is never easy It's hard to be the only man who cares Everyone who calls himself an ally needs to read this think piece right now. The hero gives his service freely He's got so many Without you, you can no longer hold back the progressive revolution!
people are going back to their daily lives. We have to do something. Lieutenant, take dictation. Yes, General, sir. To all of you white folk continuing with your daily lives, colon, shame on you, stop. Activism is not a sprint, comma, it is a marathon, stop. We have many miles left to go. Excellent post, General. Always gonna taste the glory. General Chad, you've inspired all of us to join the fight. Hands up, go shoot. Hand me that megaphone. Troops, listen up. This moment is not about me, and it is not about you. It's about us, together, sharing, posting, tagging, marching, tagging, liking, reading, marching, posting, tagging, signing, liking, tagging, marching, calling, winning! interrupted a peaceful protest, provoking local police forces into a physical confrontation which has quickly escalated. At least 29 have been confirmed injured, 10 seriously. Ayo, we had several community leaders lined up to lead our voter registration drive, and this dude showed up to do his white savior routine. Hey, cut it out, white folks. We don't need that help. Hello, Chad Sullivan. This is Jessica Castillo from Teen Vogue. I was hoping to get a statement regarding your involvement in last night's riots. Can you hold for just a minute? Jimmy! Help! Jimmy May Brown, at your service. Jimmy, I'm in a lot of trouble. I know, I know, I caught the news. Uh, But don't worry, I got you. (laughs) Jimmy's got the medicine you need. You're trying to change the whole world. Listen to the pleas of your fellow man. Give up cash to some causes. But this whole time you've been looking in the wrong place. (laughs) It's not enough to know the right thing to do if you're doing it for the wrong reason. Cause anywhere there ain't the right temperature if it's common in the wrong season. I'll show you how to begin. How to begin. If you wanna pull them from the gutter, then you better stop looking out. Start looking in. The only change that any man will ever need from you is the change in yourself. The most So strange. 
uh, look yeah, with him? Finish it up here. Yeah, sure. Wait, but I, listen, Chad. You got this. Search within. Okay. How do I start? You must confront your racist thoughts and behaviors. Who are you? I am you, Chad. Dost thou know me? Uh, hi. Last week in committee, when Monique disagreed with your initiatives, you told her to calm down. I... Okay, is this about... Was it because you thought she was being an angry black woman? No, no. I am not a racist. <laughs> Racism is not in the thought, but the deed. <laughs> now, come on. You cannot deny your truth, Chad. No! I... I am not a racist. Oh. Oh. Well, okay then. Uh, what should we talk about? Um, do you like uh, Kendrick? Lamar? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I dig Kendrick. You like to listen, huh? Rap along? Who doesn't? I bet you know all the words. Oh, you betcha. And when you rap along, do you rap all the words? Well, yeah, of course I... <laughs> no, 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 absolutely confess not. Confess your sins. I will not confess. Confess, sinner. No, no, no. no. Man down, where you from, Edward? This mad city I run, Edward. Yes! Yes! Oh, God, yes! I rap all the words! We all do! <laughs> I am a racist! Oh, Chad. That doesn't make you a racist. Oh, really? You mean it? No, Chad. No. You're not racist. You've just spent a lifetime listening to songs about racism, and yet you haven't done it. <laughs> it's just music. What can I do? How many hit songs, Chad? Half a million bales on Africa. You're just a black man in this world. You're just a barcode. How many hundreds of songs that you know by heart have told you what you're pretending to suddenly learn in June of 2020? Chad. Of course, we're all racists. But what you are, it's worse. What you are is a liar. So, Chad, what are you going to do? 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 Oh, can you hold for just a minute? Jimmy! Help! Jimmy shucking jiving at your service now. How can I help you, child? Jimmy, I'm exhausted. I'm thrust into this unjust world I didn't create, and I'm held responsible for all of it. I have to always know the right things to say and the right way to say them. I have to be helpful, but never out of turn. And if I make a single misstep, if I, if I speak out or lose my temper, I feel like I could lose everything. It's not fair. I keep trying, but nothing is ever good enough. Wow. I can't imagine how that might feel. Do you have a song you can sing for me? 
Look, Chad, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I've tried real hard to be there for you, and not just for you, for everyone that looks like you, but this shit is exhausting. What am I supposed to do, Jimmy? What am I supposed to do? Listen to yourself. I've got to live my own life. i got to somehow scroll through my news feed without seeing another black man murdered. What are you supposed to do? How about some reparations? <laughs> Make up for all the wealth that's been siphoned from people like me to people like you. Doesn't even have to be back to slavery. Let's just settle up for 100 years. Too much? How about 40 years? Too much? How about you send your future child to an integrated school? Is that asking too much for our children to have equal opportunity at education? What, you don't like my suggestions? You may feel like it takes magic to solve racism, but it doesn't. It takes concrete action and discomfort and the risk of losing the privileges you have had. <laughs> white people started it, and this means white people are going to have to end it. And you, you're just going to have to figure this out on your own. How? How am I supposed to solve this? How am I supposed to figure it out, Jimmy? I don't know! And my name isn't Jimmy. It's James. So, Jim, what are you going to do? I don't want to have this conversation. screen is frozen. Chad, your screen is frozen. Sorry. Sorry, folks. I'm back. Good to have you with us, Chad. Now, Chad, what are you going to do? Chad? Chad? What are you going to do? That was The Last Magic Negro or Chad's Great Awakening, book by Jameel Ellis and Andrew Fox, music and lyrics by Andrew Fox, starring A.J. Holmes as Chad, Daryl Javan Williams as Jimmy, Simone Zamora as Monique and others, Anthony Chapman II as Michael and others, and featuring Constantine Maroulis as 80s Man, also featuring the voices of Andrew Fox and Oni Nwachuku in the episode. The Last Magic Negro, or Chad's Great Awakening, was recorded remotely from New York City with direction, music supervision, orchestration, and sound design by Andrew Fox, artistic supervision by Christopher Michaels, and mixing and mastering by Jay Rosen, saxophone by Robbie Wingfield, trumpet by Isaac Tubb, and trombone by Kenneth Johnson. We'll be right back after this brief intermission for a talkback with Jamil and Andrew about Star Trek, Joe Biden's OkCupid account, and the two very different angles from which the show is written. All that and more when we return. Hey there! Enjoying the show so far? Want even more out of your bite-sized Broadway experience? Get full-color digital playbills, early singles and episodes, and exclusive backstage access to other exciting rewards and extras by becoming a Patreon subscriber. For as little as $3 a month, you can unlock perks you just won't find anywhere else. We're giving you a peek behind the curtain to see just what goes into making a mini-musical podcast, plus a chance to speak directly to the artists in monthly AMAs. Oh, looks like Act Two's about to start. Visit patreon.com slash bitesizebroadway to find out how you can become a subscriber today. Sorry. 
Enjoy the rest of the show. Ah. Welcome, listeners, to our conversation in progress. Um, I am zooming in with uh, Andrew Fox and Jamil Ellis. Uh, they are the writers behind The Last Magic Negro or Chad's Great Awakening. Um, and then there's a fist emoji that I don't know how to pronounce. Andrew, how would you pronounce a fist emoji? Uh, that that was Jamil insisted on that, so I'm letting him say what this is. I don't know that there's a way to pronounce it. It's kind of like when Prince just changed his name, so that it's to force you to make it. It's to make it difficult for you, basically. Got it. I, I understand that. Pe- people have difficult. I, when I first did uh, this show, my my uh, my boss at work refused to say the title of the show, and, and many people it makes it a little uncomfortable. And I I don't mind making white folks uncomfortable sometimes. And so. <laughs> The title itself, however we can make a little bit, make it just a little bit hard to print, hard to pronounce. I thought it was important. I, I just want to state for the record, by the way, since the, since viewers can't see this, that Jamil is wearing a Star Trek engineering uniform. You see, when when I was setting up this interview, I was really hoping, Jamil, that you would come in wearing the Star Trek uniform, because then I can ask you, like, <laughs> what is your favorite Star Trek uh, my my favorite Star Trek is Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, cool, that, great answer. Definitely, <laughs> it, it, it is the most. It had the most thematics that it's it's about um, of sci-fi that like explores issues of humanity and stuff. Although I, currently I'm watching Discovery, but I mm-hmm. skipped the first two seasons and I'm just watching season three. How much um, of those first two seasons do you need to understand season three? Because I've been wanting I, to get on the bandwagon here too. None of it. Someone told me I didn't need to do it. And so I did it and I'm hooked. I'm in season three. <laughs> I, I, I don't care about anything else. I'm like, hey, we're here. Awesome. Um, so I, I, I can tell you it can be done. So um, go for it. I will also point out for the listeners at home that there's a giant cutout of Joe Biden in Andrew's frame right now, like just sitting over his shoulder behind him. Joe Biden has his own OKCupid profile, by the way, which the guitarist, one of the guitarists for this episode um, co-maintains with me. Dare I ask what kind of hits that profile gets? Um before progressives just randomly decided in 2017 that they all hated Joe Biden, he got like dozens of messages every day many oh, of them oh, extremely this is a long standing thing i thought yeah was, i was curious about that thing. <laughs> oh no no this is he's had a profile for a very long time yeah we set it up in like 2016 his pro, his profile was like i just got i just got out of a long a, an eight year relationship <laughs> i'm on the prowl again i really like trains <laughs> So how did this project come together? So the project Genesis was several years ago. I'd started doing a monthly show called Magical Negro Speaks, starting to explore the idea of the magical Negro. I've always been fascinated with media and image and how that affects how people perceive people of different races and how it affects uh, my own perception of who I am. So it started as a monthly show and... Andrew was a long way back when then. Hmm. Um, I can't remember what year. We're going back a couple of years. It was um, like 2013. I submitted it to the New York International Fringe Festival where we did a, a run. And that's where we really tightened up the show. Andrew wrote a couple of original songs, which I performed. And we had a good run. We got word for outstanding performance and we got an encore performance to do that at the Fringe. It was definitely pre-Trump, 2015. So it was his different time. People believed in science. <laughs> um, so that was the genesis of the the, the 
uh, the first time, you, you know, we, we worked with the concept. Subsequently, we did a couple of performances of the show. And then, uh, well, the, some stuff happened um, this year. I don't know if anyone noticed around race. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been definitely a very interesting experience the pandemic layered on with what happened with George Floyd the the following demonstrations really something I've never seen before about how people coming to the conversation to talk about race mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people there's a, a lot of desire to do something about it from at least half the population we'll see. <laughs> and we thought it was a good time to creatively take a look at what we had and examine examine some of those you know some of the same themes, but in the lens of 2020 and what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting collaboration because from my side, part of this is is just the bizarre world for me of being all of a sudden thrown to talk about race. You know, the weekend after George Floyd, I we did a company meeting that I ran talking to not people of color, mm-hmm. getting them to talk about what their, their feelings and what's going on. And that is not my profession. I am not an expert on <laughs> diversity or race by any means. <laughs> I'm, I'm an engineer by trade, but all of a sudden, uh, black people everywhere are have were tasked if they're in a corporate environment to like all of a sudden you are the, the guide and to to you know the, the magic negro for folks to uh, to start understanding about race, <laughs> which is really really tiring and exhausting. You know, there's an epidemic going on. <laughs> you got life to do. All of a sudden, you, you, all of a sudden, you guys just realize systemic racism existed. Uh, frankly, I'm confused <laughs> because um, I, I've known it was there my entire life. Um, it's kind of a foundational thing, and I think the tiredness of the the way the magic negro feels in that in the show that's like that that it's a tiredness I I, I still kind of feel that exhaustion. So, so that's where I'm coming from, and I think it was an interesting mix because I know Andrew. We, we very closely collaborated on the writing here, which was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to do. And I think we hit a good balance. But I think Andrew should talk about kind of where he was coming from, because that was a, a, a key part. And, and for me, very important at this moment to have both our voices in there. I guess I'll, I'll open this with a, a paraphrase of a paraphrase of a paraphrase of a quote from uh, the Black playwright Brandon Jacobs Jenkins who basically said like, why is it that every play about race is about black people? Why aren't we writing plays about race about white people? And so in the one that Jamil wrote, I was basically like white guy in the room going like, well, I'm, I'm doing my part here, right? <laughs> you know, learning more about the black experience as if we didn't all know, right? Mm-hmm. I think the craziest thing that I've been noticing this past year is that conservative Conservatives have our number, right? It's really obvious, like, the people who are just, like, shouting the N-word and being like, we need to stop people from voting. We're like, wow, they're racists, right? But, like, all of this time, conservatives have kind of been, like, calling us on our shit because they know. And they're like, yeah, and where do you send your kids to school? Well, let's, let's, let's not talk about that. What, what color are your neighbors? Well, that's just how it ended up, you know? And, like, hearing, like, Rush Limbaugh being, like, completely right in things that he was saying about liberals and at the same time, like, recognizing George Floyd was also like, oh, even you guys know. Oh, so we all knew. And I first off, I I think when we struck upon the idea of, wait, what if Jimmy the Magic Negro has to help a white person solve racism? (laughs) I think we both went, oh, this is a terrible idea. Let's follow this. (laughs) But but for me, uh, 
personally, it was an opportunity to say and explore a lot of things I'd been feeling about myself, because it, it is in many ways an autobiographical musical. If anybody asks me, mm-hmm. I'm saying that as a joke. But it's kind of true. Um, But also like the frustration of being around other white people and especially like white liberals and white progressives, people who think they're helping and think that they know and being part of the weird like social dance that we all do Mm -hmm. of just like, do you know the not racist thing I did? Or like, ah, I noticed that you said the string of words that indicate that you might not be properly educated on race. We will exclude you, right? And then I think at one point in the process, Jamil and I figured out that our best bet was to kind of write separate pieces from our own perspectives and then just kind of like glue them together. I I think especially in places like the phone call sequence or in the Zoom meeting, uh, we had a conversation about how his experience of white people is always white people under stress, right? The real stress Mm -hmm. is like, we all know something's deeply wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think deep down white people know that something bad should have happened to us. (laughs) Like in the grand scheme of history, we know something bad should have happened. And so there's always like this agitation and fear and we're always watching what we say. And as a result, saying weird things, but also like not saying a bunch of things we would say among other white people, which like we're always keeping black people at a distance, whether we know it or not. Because I'm sure like every mm-hmm. every white liberal I know listening to this is going to be like, well, I don't do that. Right? <laughs> He's always, ex- ex- I assume, experiencing white people with like that little chip in our brain going like, oh, you're talking to a black guy, you know, fix, don't say this, but do say that. But I'm always interacting with those same people when they're like showing off their Sunday best and they're like trying to enforce various rules, especially in progressive spaces. We're always trying to like enforce the new rule of, oh, you you don't, you don't call them black unless you're capitalizing it. You have to capitalize the letter (laughs) in your head. (laughs) Yeah. You have to make it clear in your pronunciation that it is capitalized. Oh, and it's it's BIPOC now. Don't get me started on BIPOC. (laughs) It just showed up and we all, we all were just like, yeah, I guess we're calling at this now. Okay, well, racism solved. Good work, everybody. I, I think I wanted to say another thing that was inspirational to me as we were going on this journey, and it's exactly to, to, to Andrew's point, is, but the, the historical element. I do a podcast with my dad called um, Elle's Conversations, and my dad is a retired federal judge, and it's all about history and law. One of the things at some point we talk about Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Mm-hmm. In that letter, he He's reflecting on, uh, you know, they're, they're organizing demonstrations at the time. And he, you know, he, he laments that what the most pushback he gets is from white progressive people that are like, wait a second, this isn't the time, you, you, you know. And he said he, he feared that, like, <laughs> you know, what was, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but really what we had to fear was like, not like your proud boys, your, your current proud boys or your KKK, but the white progressive, which will tell you it's not time yet for your freedom. And freedom delayed is, freedom delayed means you don't get freedom, basically. Yeah. The critical mass to hold things up is not held up by the folks burning crosses or like, the militias it's held up by people who won't recognize as andrew said it's like well, why do we, yeah we, we just live there's no black people near me because uh, that's the way it is not because of government redlining <laughs> and uh, oh i don't i don't know why there are no black people in the school they must not want to go here it's it's interesting to explore that it's like hey what are you going to do because my big fear through a lot of what was going on uh was that it was 
amazing to see all these demonstrations and like all across the country. But I, I was like, but why now? And uh, are you guys going to forget about this the next day? Or like, I confuse as to what the next step is here. Does this actually mean something? Because you had young folks and old folks and, and some of you, you know, some people you've been, been around systemic racism your entire life. Like, what is it about this year? And is it going to go beyond this awakening that we is going right now to something bigger. I think half of us just wanted like an excuse to go outside. <laughs> like I'm going to go, t- I'm going to go take a I, walk. I'm going to play my tambourine. You know, I, I did. I, I, uh, one of the podcast, other podcasts I listened to there, there was the hypothesis that some of the impetus for the, the the protests had much more to do with the epidemic and like the pent up, like people being out of work and a frustration that needed an outlet. And this mm-hmm. happened to be like the, the spark that did that. So that's in the back of my head because, well, well, that makes more sense to me than everyone all of a sudden woke up and saw racism. If we want to be a little bit charitable, um, <laughs> just, a lo- just a little bit though, I think that Another factor was that we had all just experienced several months where the kind of low simmering racism was much more obvious to us. Like, for example, all of my students went online and all my white students within a few days, they had a whole setup, they had their video stuff, they had all their tech. They were like, oh, so this is going to go through my phone. This is going to go through my iPad. And then like black students who had previously been fantastic students would disappear for weeks at a time. And we'd be, and when we get a hold of them, it's like, well, I was at, I was at my cousin's house, but there were just too many people there. And I had to go here. It was like across the board. And then the only stores that are open, you're like, oh, this is all black and brown people and all my delivery people. We're we're essential. (laughs) We're essential. (laughs) Yeah, like everybody, everybody who do you don't need to run society is at home. And also like they're dying by the tens of thousands. Yeah, it's I mean, it's uh, my grandmother died early in the pandemic. Um, I'm so sorry. And yeah, you're right, Andrew. Like there is that, that idea that like, oh, everyone just go online and who is essential and who needs the subway and who, who like those things. You, you can ignore them a little bit less. <laughs> or you yeah. can try to. <laughs> But it's like, oh, someone's delivering my food. It's a person of color. <laughs> yeah, normally, like, I think if you're if you're white, you sort of experience racism the same way that everyone in New York experiences homelessness, or really, really the way like most people experience homelessness is like, oh, look, a homeless guy, right? And like, <laughs> oh, like, that's we unfortunate. All, we yeah, walk, we walk, all walk, know, walk, walk. <laughs> yeah, and we all know that like these are all solvable problems. That's that's the crazy <laughs> thing. It's all solvable problems. I don't know. Put them in a house. They'll take care of like ninety percent of the homeless population. Mm-hmm. But we go, oh well, isn't that sad? And then we give two dollars, and then we go like, oh, I, I'm so great. I just did. Or worse, we think about giving two dollars, and then we discover we didn't have cash. But we go like, oh well, I had the impulse, <laughs> so I'm a good person. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's like the, the solution much more difficult than being able to put someone in a house. I know that in New York, even people very somewhat surprised by the rise of, of our current, hopefully outgoing president, if someone can get the baby out of there, uh-huh. is that here in New York, you know, we had stop and frisk and we elected mayors. Um, Giuliani was the mayor here. And then we had like very racially charged policing policies in New York. 
Um, and many white people were like, Meh, you know, it happens. <laughs> but, you know, Bloomberg's was a great, he's a great businessman. So, you know, um, okay. <laughs> Someone told me once I was at a party and I said, stop it. And I was talking about how stop it first makes me feel. And this white guy was like, well, you know, it's a complex issue. I was like, no, it's not a complex issue. Black people get over-policed. What is it that you don't understand about how I feel about that being a policy? One one thing that I've I've been trying to do since writing this is like check check myself whenever I have that like white liberal thought of they're just like, yeah, oh yeah, totally, right? Because that's what we all do is we forget who we were and we forget what we've done. And like, I remember when we were working on Magic Negro the first time around, stop and frisk was still in effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I lived in Jamaica, New York, and I would see a um, a black kid, and I mean like kids, like mm-hmm. can't can't be older than twelve. And I, I would be like walking around with my audio equipment, so it's like so it's like a gym bag filled with mic stands, which I don't know if you've ever seen that. It looks like I'm carrying rifles. It looks right? real suspicious. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm a white dude with a beard in outer Queens. So 95% chance I've got drugs on me. And so, and yet I'd be like walking to the subway and every time there would be a black child being frisked by the cops. And I would think in my head, oh, that's wrong. And then I'd like, you know, congratulate myself on having that thought. And I never did anything. I never said like, excuse me, officers, what's going on? I never pulled out my phone to film. All I did was have have my little liberal thought, and then I would go to my meeting with Jamil and say the right things and have the right viewpoints and be like, no, you're not crazy. This totally happens. And do nothing. And the truth is, that is an overwhelming experience to deal with. Definitely overwhelming for, for Black folks, but it's an overwhelming feeling to feel like, <laughs> even if you do know, what what do you do about knowledge once you become reawokened or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or you experience and you allow yourself to understand the dynamics of our society and... Like, what do, you, what do you do about it? It can be an overwhelming thing to figure out, like, what to do with it. We're starting to run out of time. But before we end the interview, um, Jamil, you've mentioned a few times the term magical Negro. I'm not sure if all of our listeners are familiar with that term. So can you just talk about it a little bit more for us? Yeah, sure. So um, magical Negro is a, a common stereotype um, archetype that's used in books, media and film. It's a it's a black man usually um, two dimensional in, in nature, and he he's there really to help the white protagonists get what whatever they need. Um, Stephen King uses them um, in some things. You've seen Legend of Bagger Vance, mm-hmm. so the, the God character that uh, Morgan Freeman plays occasionally in in, in, <laughs> in films. Every um, Matt Damon movie. It, it's a very common archetype. When I was younger, I, was, I did more on the performing side and. You know, you're either a hoodlum or you're magically helping a, a white person. So, <laughs> so it's interesting to be aware of like the images you see, because often we are very segregated and yes. often your only way of seeing other races, other cultures is through media. And so when what you see is using um, stereotypes and archetypes, and the same goes for people of color, of, of all colors, Asian, Latino, that's all you see. And so that begins to be what you... Uh, believe is the two-dimensional character of people of a certain ethnicity is, is something that is one of the results of some, a lot of that imagery. 
Andrew, Jamil, it was a pleasure sitting down and speaking with you. And it was, I, I love your work. It's such a good show. Um, and I'm so pleased that we were able to put it in season one. So thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on Jamil Ellis and the origins of this musical, visit his website at www.magicalnegrospeaks.com and check out his podcast, Ellis Conversations, available on your favorite podcasting platforms. Andrew Fox's other musical works can be found on his website, www.andrewfoxmusic.com, and of course, here on each episode of Bite Sized Broadway. As always, there was way more to this discussion we just can't cover in a single episode, but you'll have a blast listening to the hilarious offbeat discussions we had behind the scenes when you become a Patreon subscriber. Visit www.patreon.com slash bitesizedbroadway and become a member today for extended conversations, exclusive backstage access, and plenty of other exciting perks. Don't go away. We'll be right back with a preview of our next holiday episode right after this. Next time on Bite Sized Broadway. Velveteen, a young and naive stuffed rabbit, is thrown into the toy box where he meets Tank, a muscular and hard-headed remote-controlled war tank, and Horse, an old and grumpy skin horse figure, the only two members of the boyhood army. We're here to defend. We are loyal to the end. We are the bravest of brave. And we fight, and yes, we save. We are the boyhood army. Abandoned in the toy box, waiting and wondering if the boy will ever return for him, Velveteen learns about innocence, love, and what it takes for a toy to become real. And I knew I was real. I would nuzzle his hand, and he would say, I love you more than I did yesterday. Gather your children, your family, and your toys, and snuggle up for this bittersweet and heartwarming adaptation of Marjorie Williams' The Velveteen Rabbit. Kennedy Kanagawa, Tom Sesma, Joseph Cannon, and Alan H. Green star in Toy Box by Teresa Lotz and Will Buck, opening December 21st right here on Bite Sized Broadway. And that's it for this episode of Bite Sized Broadway. If you haven't subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform, well, what are you waiting for? Subscribe today and never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a brief review. A huge thank you goes out to our upper-level Patreon subscribers, Dakota Cahill and Judith Manicharian. If you'd like to support us on Patreon and get exclusive access to exciting perks, head to www.patreon.com slash bitesizebroadway or click the link in the episode description. Until next time, friends, I'm Jonathan Lynch, and this is Bite Size Broadway. Theme and finale were composed and performed by Michael Perry Jr. 
more information on this and other IndieWorks programming, please visit www.indieworkstheater.com. Like and follow us on social media at IndieWorks Co. Stand by Main Curtain.